0: Who can tell me what series we're finishing up tonight? The Refuge, there you go. All right, right, Josh, where's it found? Do you know what it is on top of your head? Uh, close enough, close enough, close enough. Close. Alright, what did Isaac do last, preach on last week? What did Isaac preach on? Was it Isaac last week? It was you last week, wasn't it? Yeah, what was Isaac preach on last week? Uh, I was slightly confused. Yeah, go ahead. Well, this ain't good because even I don't remember, <laughs> huh? Yeah. What did Isaac preach on last week? You trying to remind me? Isaac, what'd you preach on last week? Yeah, that was that was kind of it <laughs> what is it? no well, kind of uh, he <laughs> was accused of killing the king yeah okay okay all right fine there you go all right it was um being forgetful forgiveness, right? Forgiving the guy when he was cursing. That's what it was. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, John, what's up? Yeah, did anyone bring a paper visal? Okay, I'm pretty sure he just gave that to you. Is that actually that's actually yours? All right, all right, all right. Anybody else? Nice try, McKenna. Anybody else got a paper Bible? (laughs) All right, all right. Last one, last one. All right. All right, so yeah, yeah, We've been doing, yeah. No, you can't leave. Sorry, you got to have it with you. They got to have it with you. All right, so yeah, we're doing the refuge. Shut up, Isaac. Psalm 46.1, John, put it up there. All right, let's read together. Ready? God is our refuge and strength, ever-present help in times of trouble. Mine says times of trouble. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so we've been doing this series about God being our refuge, and when Isaac first told me about this series way back in, I guess it was January, beginning of January, yeah, middle of January, Uh, he asked me what I wanted to do, and I was really on the fence of doing between God as a strong tower and God as a shield, and I kind of solidified it in my heart uh, last week as I was sitting here thinking about it, and I really want to talk about this idea of God being our shield, and the verse I want to use for this is found also in Psalm, it's Psalm 18, 1 through 2, a really, really good psalm. Uh, some backstory for it. Uh, David had just defeated Saul, and he was now becoming the king of Israel. Uh, and it says, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And as I was really thinking about this idea of God being our shield, it really came to me the the understanding that God wanted me to preach on. of, In today's society, I feel like being a Christian, we're really under attack. You know, I feel like uh, society as a whole, especially in America, the culture is, you know, we're supposed to be very, very accepting of people nowadays. They're supposed to accept, you know, their, their sexual uh, orientation, their gender identity, whatever they believe in, you know, and we can't argue with it, you know. I mean, it's, it's becoming more and more mainstream that we have to accept them and we can't argue and fight for it. I mean— just this past week, if you guys are paying attention to what happened at the Grammys, I mean, they literally had Satan worship on stage. They were singing a song about unholy, and you had these dancers coming out in red. This guy had a devil hat on, and it was just a very satanic performance. And actually, one there was a quote or a Twitter screenshot I saw where it says, uh, we are ready to worship, and they were talking about Satan. I mean, so th- this idea of Satan and all the evil he's pushing in the world being accepted is good. But the moment you say you're a Christian, everyone comes against you. It's just almost like uh, it's just blatantly out there. You're a Christian. Oh, you're, you're pig-headed. You're stuck in the past. You know, you're not accepting of people for who they are. It's just this massive attack that we come under. And while it's not necessarily, you know, physical attack, they're not physically attacking us, we have to understand there's a lot of spiritual reasons behind this. You know, uh, a lot of um, it's just a lot of spiritual attack that we're coming under, and it's not necessarily the people, it's just the spirits behind the things they do. Um, Paul, at least I'm pretty sure it was Paul, really talks about this in Ephesians. Um, Ephesians 6.12 says, A final word, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Uh, did I skip one? No. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits, in heavenly places. So this idea that almost everything you encounter nowadays has some sort of spiritual presence behind it, and it's not as obvious in some things as in others, like with the Emmys. But you know, a lot of the things you push that are pushed on Instagram and social media nowadays have a real spiritual agenda behind them, and it's, it's really going against everything God teaches us. And to tie it all in with this idea of, you know, being a shield, a lot of what we believe is going to come under attack. A lot of uh, our ideas and values are going to be questioned, and you guys are at an age where you're trying to figure out, you know, who you are, what you believe in, you know, and how to stand up for yourself. And without having a way to defend and protect yourself, I mean, you guys are at the mercy of the world, and they're honestly going to tear you guys up. So this idea that the Lord is our shield is just, it's just a real thing that really stuck with me. And, you know, thinking about, you know, modern or ancient warfare, because that's really the context of some of these verses was ancient warfare. When they went into battle, you know, they had armor on. They had a full set of armor. They had swords, and they all, most of them carried shields. And the purpose of the shield is to block an incoming attack. It's to, you know, defend your weak side, protect yourself so you can focus on your attack. Um, and it's really there to protect you. And, you know, in the spiritual realm of it, when we become believers, we are marked. We become marked with the Holy Spirit in the spirit world. It's not something we can physically see, but it's there. So when the enemy comes and sees, sees our mark, think of a, a shield Back in the day they would have coat of arms on their shield so they would identify who they were. So you see that and you're holding your shield and the enemy's like, oh that guy's a believer right there. We need we need to go attack him. We need to go attack him. And you know, the shield is something it's something we have to practice. It's not something we initially are good at, you know, practicing our faith. You know, when we become a new believer, you know, we have that first, you know, kind of that spiritual high where we feel really, really close to God and He really moves in our lives in ways we didn't really expect. But as we kind of go through life and we don't lose the initial high, but that first feeling we get kind of fades with all everything the world throws at us, it becomes even more important to understand how to use this shield correctly. Um, and there's a lot of different um, spiritual tools we have in our, in our belts. And this whole, my whole idea of putting on armor is a big thing in Ephesians, and I really, really like some of the picture It shows for us, and I can't go into all of it, but I do want to read you uh, what's called the armor of God talked about in Ephesians. Um, So Ephesians 6, 13 through 18 says, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on peace that comes from the good news, So that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And I don't have the last part, but it's up there. Pray in the Spirit at all times, and on every occasion stay alert, and be persistent in your fears for all believers everywhere. So if you've been in church long enough, you've probably heard either Pastor Tim or Daniel or someone say, you know, this is something you should pray every single morning. You should put on the full armor of God. And why I agree with that statement, it's something we should be walking in. My only qualm with it is, you know, why did you take it off when you went to bed? You know, I feel like for me personally, a lot of the times when I come under a spiritual attack or I hear from God is at night. So one, I think we should keep it on all the time. But what I really want to focus on is the two things. First off is the shield of faith and the fiery arrows of the devil. So in ancient warfare, uh, when an invading army would go to attack an opposing town, a city, whatever it would be, uh, most of the cities had walls around them. And you couldn't necessarily storm the walls, or they had different tactics, but what they would do is they would take arrows that were about two and a half to three feet long, they would dip them in tar, light them on fire, and shoot them over the walls. And the purpose of this was they would hope that they would hit the tops of roofs, or hit hay, or wood, or something flammable, and it would burn... Uh, the rest of the town forced the enemy, forced whoever they were attacking to come out of the city because of the fire. And in today's world, those fiery arrows are, aren't necessarily the physical arrows we see anymore, but they're a spiritual thing. How many of you have ever been, uh, let's say you're in school, you're sitting there doing your homework, got music on, and you've had just a really random thought just hit you out of nowhere? Yeah, see? I mean, I'm sure we've all had that part where, I mean, when I'm walking down the street at work, I had just random thoughts hit me all the time. And that's what these fiery arrows are. They're just thoughts and temptations that come from the enemy. And the purpose of them is to hit us, or they try to hit us in some area of our life, whether it's an insecurity, whether it's a fear we have, you know, whether it's just, it's just random thoughts. And they want to get those into us so that we start thinking on them, focusing on them, and eventually they burn into other areas of our lives. So it's really important that we have a good, solid foundation of faith so that when those temptations come, you know, uh, go hit this person. You know, well, the Lord calls us to peace, not to anger and wrath. Or go, oh, just steal this candy bar, no one's going to see it. Well, the Lord says, thou shalt not steal. You know, it's really good that we have a foundation of faith and knowledge of the word when those things come to us. Um, Another thing I like about shield warfare is that, you know, the shield wasn't always used just for protection. A lot of times they would have spikes on them so that you could bash the enemy back or you could just, you know, I mean, there was a giant wooden shield. They were probably 30, 40 pounds. You could just hit somebody with them. I really like the idea that our faith is not just to protect us. It's there for us to fight back against the enemy. I mean, that's how Jesus fought back against the enemy when he was in in the desert. He fought back with faith and with the Spirit and with the words of the Lord, and the, the last thing I really like about the shield warfare is an ancient army, when you had a lot of armies together, and the Romans really made this popular, but the Vikings did it, Knights did it, is this idea of a shield wall, you know, it's when brothers come together, they interlock their shields, and you have one person becomes very, very strong against the attack of an enemy, because you have more than one strength, and I like this picture because in today's society, I feel like the idea of a lone wolf or a soldier being out by himself is really portrayed in Hollywood as like, it's a good thing, you know, they're super cool, you know, they can do anything by themselves, but in reality and in spirituality, that's not realistic, you know. I feel like one of the biggest tools the enemy uses to come against us is trying to isolate us, you know, whenever... I know for me personally, whenever I do something wrong and that conviction and that guilt and shame, or not conviction, but guilt and shame really comes and hits you, you know, we tend to say, oh, I'm not good enough, I don't want to be around friends, I just want to be by myself, and I mean, that's a big tool that the enemy uses, especially in people your age. I mean, how many people do you know that suffer from loneliness? I mean, I suffer from it all the time, and that's a tool that the enemy uses, you know. We want to stand by ourselves, you know, and just kind of isolate ourselves, and Hmm? Loneliness. Where'd you get romance? (laughs) So this idea of a shield wall and not being alone and having people around you, I think is a really good uh, metaphor for how the body of Christ and how us as believers should operate. Um, You know, there are multiple, multiple uh, scriptures that talk about not standing alone and being a body of Christ and being together together. I mean, Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen says, "As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend." Uh, Ecclesiastes four, twelve: A person standing alone can be intact and defeated; but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I mean, this idea of being one together. I mean, in Scripture it says, "Where two or three are gathered in this place, I will be also." So, this idea of being together, being with. Other believers is what strengthens us. And I know it's very counter to go to people with their problems. I mean, especially if you're a guy, you know, we're, we're told to take everything by ourselves, be a man, never cry. And that's not what we were called to do. I mean, even Jesus, when he sent out his disciples, he sent them out two by two. He sent them out with their brothers so that they wouldn't fall short. I mean, <clears throat> each of us has a certain weakness. Each of us has something that you know, we're prone to, we uh, sin we go back and forth with. And having somebody there that's an accountability partner, someone who's there with us, keeps us from that. It just strengthens us and brings us stronger in faith because they're there to encourage us. I mean, I know uh, Isaac is there for me, Caitlin's there for me, Anna verbally and physically assaults me whenever I have ideas of trying to go back to some of the things I want to go back to, and, it, and it's, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It keeps me on the straight and narrow. It's a really good thing. I mean, the house divided cannot stand, and I feel like the enemy is really trying to get in and divide Christianity, and divide us as believers and get us away from each other so that we're easier targets. Um, so this idea that people, the people we surround ourselves with, we've talked about it so many times, have such an impact on our habits, our beliefs. Uh, our faith. I mean, it's just, it's so strong. And I was listening to a sermon uh, late last week that my dad preached several years ago, and he was talking about a story in Mark, and I'm going to read you the story, but I want you to pay attention to the interaction between Jesus, the guy, and his friends. So it says, Mark 2, 1 through 5, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. So Jesus comes back, he's in this place, he's in a house, and these houses weren't very big back then, but they were very open. Um, You had windows and a big door. So, I mean, this house is just packed. Jesus is sitting there in the center, packed house. People are outside looking in windows, trying to crane to see in to see Jesus. So while he was preaching God's word to them, Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. So these four, these four guys, their buddy, he can't move. He's paralyzed. He's stuck on a mat. He's been that way. And we're like, we're going to go to Jesus. We're going to get you healed. And they get there, and it's just so packed that they can't get to Jesus. So what they do is they go. So houses back then had a small staircase on the side, and the tops of their roofs were flat. They normally went up there when it was hot outside, uh, and they normally had a covering, so it was basically like a covered deck that everyone had on top of their houses. So they go up there, and they start tearing this roof apart. And I mean, you got to understand that I mean, these villages were small. People knew who everybody was, so they probably knew whose house this was, and they knew they were tearing this this roof off because they knew Jesus was there, and that their friend and Jesus could heal their friend. And you just got to think, Jesus. He's Jesus. He knows what's going on. He's sitting there preaching, and all of a sudden, you've got to just think dirt, dust, just starts kind of slowly falling from the top of the roof. And then there's more, and then there's light, and then there's a lot more dirt. At some point, you know, when does Jesus stop preaching and just kind of stuff up and just wait for them to get done? It's just, it's that image in my head of just, just sitting there, just kind of sitting there waiting, because he knows what's going to happen. It's just, I think it's hilarious. Um... So then they took their friends, and they lowered him right in front of Jesus. Uh, and right in front of Jesus, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. And when I was listening to the sermon, I never really, it never really stood out to me that it was because of their faith that he was healed. It wasn't because of the paralyzed man's faith. It was because of his friend's faith. And from what I understand, this is really the only story in Scripture or the only time in Scripture that Jesus heals somebody else. their faith, nobody else. There's nothing I can really think of for that. And you got to understand, their faith started, I mean, way back then. They knew that Jesus could heal their friend. And, I mean, he's at their mercy. There was nothing he could do. He couldn't get up and say, no, I don't want to go and just walk away. He literally had to go where they wanted to. So their faith, they brought him to Jesus. They damaged this roof that they were probably going to have to pay to repair, to fix. They brought, their brother, they brought him down. And, I mean, even after all that, Jesus could have said, no, I'm not going to heal them. But their faith brought him to healing. And, you know, this idea that it's called intercessory repair, that we can pray for others and our prayers really have an effect on those around us, is something that really... Didn't hit home for me until this past couple years. Um, As I was doing the sermon, I was thinking, "Okay, God, I really need some um, some real-life examples where this happened to me." And there was two that came to mind. Um, Well, there's three really. One of them is you guys know my past, my history. I did a lot of drugs, a lot of a lot of stuff like that. A lot of drinking, right? And the amount of times I remember driving home under the influence is I mean, it was multiple times. I mean, I would go home stoned. I would go home drunk. I would go home both. And I mean, I can remember getting in the car, not remembering the drive, and then just randomly being in my room an hour later. And I mean, just, I know that during those times, the only reasons I'm still here is because of the prayers of my family, of my parents, of my friends, of people who loved me. And it wasn't because of my faith, because at that time, I had no faith. I was... Very, very far off the deep end, didn't believe in God. I was actively telling people I didn't believe in God, but yet I was still getting home safe every single night. <clears throat> and then the second story I have is, I'm going to try not to cry on this one. So my sister, um, she's my younger sister, she's five, three years younger than me, and last spring she had, um, she had a lot of issues, and my parents went away on vacation for two weeks, left her home alone, and in those two weeks she tried to commit suicide three different times. Uh, she tried to drink pills, um, she tried, the big one was she went into our garage, uh, turned it up, the car on, took a bunch of pills, opened the windows, and went to sleep and expected never to wake up. And, you know, it was later revealed to us through some prophecy and some deliverance that she went through that she did everything right. By all accounts, she should have been dead. But the only reason she wasn't dead was because God and the angels wouldn't let her wouldn't let her die. So fast forward six months after all that, hearing that, I'm in a SOZO ministry, which is where people come and they pray over us and do some inner healing, and they really connect you to God and let you hear his voice. It's really incredible. I can't wait to start doing it with some of you guys. Um, But in this SOZO experience, I have um, the issue of my system, our relationship comes up, and how I wish things were better, and I feel like nothing I do helps her. And the Lord clearly told me, the only reason your sister survived that is because you've been praying for her. And, I mean, that really nailed in the coffin that, you know, this intercessory prayer and being there for each other and praying over each other, it's real. It's powerful. I mean, it, it saves lives. I mean, it saved my life. It saved her life. I mean, I'm sure it saved people you know's lives. It's incredible. <clears throat> so, you know, now it's at the point where my faith has become stronger because of it. And I'm not saying my faith is perfect, you know. On a scale of one to ten, I'm probably a six or a seven on a good day. But, you know, there's Isaac, who's, you know, a nine or a ten, you know. <laughs> nine or a ten. Yeah. And then, you know, there's, there's new believers, like maybe, maybe like Jordan, who's maybe not as strong as us, who's maybe a three or four, right? But What I really, really love about the... Hey, man, I'm just using you an example. But, but what I really, really like about... What I really like about God's math is, (laughs) okay, Katie, you're like a seven. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know your grandmother. I don't know your grandma. Your Your grandma's a two and a half. I don't know. So she's a zero. Uh, Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Bring it back, bring it back, anyway. What I like about this idea of intercessory prayer and and just being there for each other is, in God's math, those numbers aren't just addition. It's not 10 plus 6 plus 2 plus 7 or whatever. It's 10 times 6, you know. When we really come together and pray and are just there for each other, it just, it multiplies into ways we can't really fathom and understand until we have those experiences like I've had or have those experiences like my sister had, and it really solidifies this idea of using, you know, faith as a shield. You know, when times get bad and we're having trouble seeing past tomorrow, we have that faith to look back and say, God was faithful then. He's the same then, today, and he's the same tomorrow. He's the same no matter how far we get into it. And, you know, he'll never leave us. No, No matter what happens, I firmly believe that God never leaves us in our time of trouble. I mean, he's that shield that, that breastplate of, of righteousness, I mean, he is cloaking us all the time, every single day. And I want to read you the last part of, of Psalm 18, it's through 30 and 32. This is, the first part of Psalm is, God is my shield, he's my rock, he's my fortress. And then the middle part of it is, I mean, God just going after the enemy. I mean, fire coming out of his mouth, it's, it's incredible, you guys should really go read it. But then David ends the psalm with this, he says, as for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God beside the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. Faith is the most powerful weapon we have, guys. it's, It's our shield. It's our rock. It's our foundation of who we are. And for small groups tonight, I want to do something a little bit different. I know we normally ask a couple questions, and I have a question for you guys. But at the end of it, I really want you guys to think and start thinking now of either yourself, someone you know, someone you're close to, someone you can actually pray for. Like, make a conscious effort to pray for them. Because, I mean, your simple prayer tonight, it could be two, three sentences long, could literally save their life. So I really want you guys to just think of somebody you can pray for and then share it in group. And I want us to all pray together. And I want you guys to see how powerful prayer can become in your own lives. So... Dear Lord, I thank you for this time we've had together tonight, Lord, for being our shield in times of trouble, being our shield as things continue to get rough, Lord, because I believe that they are, and I thank you for the, just the brotherhood that we have here as young individuals, as all believers, Lord, that we can come as a family, as a body, and just be there for each other, Lord, and I know a lot of people overseas, other Christians don't necessarily have what we have, and we thank you for the grace and mercy you've given us, Lord, and Lord, I pray you just strengthen our bonds with one another, strengthen our brotherhood, strengthen our faith, and Lord, just be with us, guide us, and protect us, in Jesus' name, amen.